This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. What is going on, everybody? Two minutes past on this Monday, 30th day of January 2023. Dan Grosser Show live and in living color. We are with you for the full three hours tonight at 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We'll take it right up until 10 o'clock this evening. Joe and Chantel long for the ride. They're producing the program on a busy Monday. We have made it to almost the end of the football journey this year. Super Bowl 57 in two weeks is set. We got the Chiefs. We got the Eagles. Congratulations to them. You know, kind of like an up and down championship Sunday. And, you know, we talked about it, you and I, for the last couple of days when we were doing the shows in the morning. Look, you know, it's the last real true football Sunday of the season with championship Sunday. And the games, you know, they weren't classics by any stretch. Even that Chiefs-Bengals game, yeah, it came down to a last-second field goal. But, you know, there was still some ebbs and flows of that game, which really left a lot to be desired there. So, nevertheless, um, you feel bad for San Francisco, you know, losing your quarterback, losing the backup, really before you're even in your seat. That's tough to overcome. You know, there's only so much game planning. There's so many, you know, contingency plans that you could come up with. I mean, nobody foresees that type of thing happening when you're there through the week trying to figure out you know what you need to do to beat the opponent on a Sunday you don't expect to lose both of your quarterbacks because if that happens you're done yeah I mean you could be the greatest wizard and play calling genius there is and Kyle Shanahan's good but nobody's going to be able to come up with a plan that's going to be able to compensate for losing your quarterbacks because you're essentially fighting with one hand behind your back. You know, you have no semblance of a passing game. You can't wildcat a team to get because even if you come up with a few plays that might catch the defense off guard, eventually they're going to be able to figure this thing out, and then your gimmick is up here. But never really came to that. Philadelphia wins, and now we got two weeks to talk about the Super Bowl, so we'll save that for a little bit later on as we move forward uh, throughout the next couple of days here. But we got to start with that game in Kansas City here because that was clearly the better of the two games. And good for the Chiefs. You know, they finally slay that dragon. They snap that three-game losing streak against the Cincinnati Bengals. So all the trash talking from the Cincinnati mayor, which was foolish. We played that for you on Saturday morning. You know, and the fact that Kansas City just could not solve Burrow and the Bengals, lost to them three times last year. And, you know, Cincinnati was going to waltz into Arrowhead or Burrowhead or whatever they wanted to call it. It just didn't happen here. And, you know, the fact that Kansas City was playing in their fifth straight conference championship game all at home, I mean, that's hard to do. Think about that for a second. You know, when you're rooting for a team that, you know, has gone years without making the playoffs, you know, like the Jets haven't been in the playoffs for 12 years. Giants hadn't had a lot of success for the last five seasons, you know, before things started to turn around for them this year. Imagine signing up as a fan. If I would have told you, you know what, you're going to have the next five conference championship games in your building. Would you sign up for that? Of course you would. And then you roll the dice depending on what the outcome is going to be. But imagine giving yourself a shot year in and year out. And that is what Patrick Mahomes and that is what Andy Reid and that is what they have accomplished. And they make their third Super Bowl in four years' time. And that's pretty darn impressive, especially in this league. That is hard to do. And going into that one yesterday, you knew that the two quarterbacks were the ones getting all the hype. And the guy who was less than 100%, same guy who had all the questions throughout the week, whether or not he was going to be healthy enough, whether or not that ankle was going to allow him to play the game that we're used to seeing him play. Well, Patrick Mahomes went out there on his home field, and he outplayed Joe Cool yesterday. Nothing more, nothing less. Look, and I'm a big fan of both of these guys, right? And, you know, Burrow looks like he's got all the attributes. 
he looks like he's going to be in the winner's circle one of these days and hoisting that Lombardi trophy, even though you never know. But the Bengals are headed in the right direction. They are in the right direction because of a guy like Joe Burrow. And now you have Patrick Mahomes, who served a reminder to everybody saying, nope, it's our house. I'm still the guy. And you're going to have to go through us if you want to get back to a Super Bowl. And it didn't happen. And Mahomes made plays yesterday when he had to, which Burrow just could never do yesterday when it mattered the most. And there were times in that game, you know, when Cincinnati, and give him credit in the second half, they got right back into this football game. And you thought that, all right, here it comes. Now Cincinnati's going to do their thing. Now they're going to, game is tied. Cincinnati's getting the football back with nine and change left. Burrow's going to put a drive together to take the lead and to win this game. Even when he got the ball back with a few minutes left in the game, you thought, all right, here we go. This is his time. He's going to make the plays necessary. He's going to get them at least into field goal range, and they're going to win this one on a last-second field goal, just like they had done so many times in the past, just like they did on that field pretty much a year ago in the AFC Championship game. But it didn't happen. But Mahomes, time and time again, found a way. I thought that third down touchdown pass that he threw to Marquez Valdez-Scantling was, was brilliant. Brilliant. Given the fact that he hung in that pocket as long as he had to, knew that the rush was coming, and still delivered a bullet on the, uh, on the post route there to Scantling to get the touchdown. You know, and then that play on third down, which certainly has gotten a lot of conversation, and rightfully so, because of the foul at the end of it and the penalty. And we'll get all into all that stuff a little bit later on. But he's scrambling around on a bad wheel, and then Joseph Asai hits him late. Nevertheless, it's a gutty play. He had the first down regardless, and then the penalty just tacked on the 15 yards and certainly put Kansas City in position to kick that field goal. And remember, last week we're sitting there, with Cincinnati's offense, giving the offensive line a hell of a lot of credit for the way that they played up in Buffalo in winning that game against the tough defense in the Bills. Cincinnati missing three starters on the offensive line, the way they were able to make enough plays necessary, give Burrow the time to make the throws, open up holes in the running game. But you were playing that game up in the snow, and the footing was a little bit slick for the defensive linemen and the pass rushers to, you know, establish that traction to be able to get after the QB, especially trying to get off the line. Yesterday, that wasn't going to be the case. Footing wasn't going to be an issue. So it wasn't an issue at all for Kansas City. And you saw that defense and you saw that rush get the hell after Burrow pretty much all afternoon. And Chris Jones was a beast. Chris Jones was borderline unblockable yesterday. And if you think about that third and eight play at the end of the game, he had the big sack on Joe Burrow, which led to the punt, which set everything up and running there for Kansas City to win the football game. And for a bit, it looked like that game was following the same script as last year, right? Cincinnati was down 21-3 to in the first half of that game a season ago. Yesterday, they were down 13-3. to They come back, they tie it at 13. They tie it at 20. And really, Cincinnati had seized the momentum in the second half of that football game. And as I just get done saying that, you know, you think that there's going to be other opportunities, you just never know. You know, that's why if you do make it this far, like even a team like, uh, you know, San Francisco in the other game, which we'll get to here in just a little bit. But when you get this close, you know, and I know the Bengals made it to the Super Bowl last year that came up short. You make it back to the AFC championship game. You just never want to waste these opportunities when you're this close to playing for the big prize because you don't know if you're going to get them back. You know, look at the way Cincinnati is constructed right now. They got some guys who are free agents. You're not going to bring the same team back. Joe Burrow, quite possibly, this could be the last season that he plays on his rookie contract. You know, what if Cincinnati signs him to that blockbuster contract extension coming up here in the offseason, which they are eligible to do? 
and you know that he's going to get one. But what happens when your quarterback signs a massive deal? Well, that means there's less money to go around to build the rest of your roster. You know, you look at his weapons, for example. T. Higgins is a free agent after next season. You think they're going to be able to keep him around? What about Jamar Chase? When you have to make a decision whether to keep him or let him walk or trade him elsewhere to be able to get something of value back. So it only gets harder from here on out because you know that Joe Burrow is going to want to get compensated. He's no different than anybody else. You know, I'm sure he's a good team guy, but this is his job. This is his livelihood. He wants to get paid as he should. And plus, you look around the rest of the AFC. I mean, think about how many good young quarterbacks there are and some teams that are maybe on the verge of being a part of a conversation to maybe make it to a Super Bowl. You just never know. You know, Dan Marino once upon a time, his second year, 1984, Dolphins went all the way to the Super Bowl. Dan Marino won the MVP of the league that year, rewrote the NFL record book. Best season that a quarterback ever had up until that point. You thought that Dan Marino was going to make multiple trips to the Super Bowl. And they lost to Joe Montana and the 49ers in that Super Bowl. And everybody said, oh, you know what? Don't worry. You, this ain't the last you're going you're gonna to see Dan Marino in the Super Bowl. He'll be back many times over. Boy, the future is bright for him. Marino never made it back to a Super Bowl. No fault of his own either. You know, he's an all-time great. You just never know. And that's what stinks when you get oh so close and you just can't capitalize. And I'll tell you, one of the more underrated plays in this game, you know, everybody's talking about the Mahomes scramble, the penalties, and so on and so forth. How about that Sky Moore punt return to set up the game-winning drive there? That was a huge play. And, you know, Jet fans, it's probably like watching in horror because it was almost like deja vu again watching that game up in Foxborough this year. But the Cincinnati punter ends up booting the ball right down the middle of the field. Big no-no. I guess he said after the game that, you know, he thought that there was going to be some wind that would blow the ball over to the sideline a little bit, but never came. Ball goes right down the middle of the field, and the rookie makes the biggest play he's going to make there, returning that kick into good field position right around midfield for the Chiefs to where a couple of plays later, you have that Mahomes scramble, you tack on the 15 yards for the penalty, game, set, match, Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl. Tough way to lose. Tough way to lose if you're Cincinnati. You know, I don't know what's worse. You know, we're all fans. Like, if, if you had to lose a game, like, what's, what's the easier way to lose the way the Bengals did in heartbreaking fashion? To say, like, all right, at least you're in the game down to the very end and you, you believed for upwards of 60 minutes that you were going to find a way and you still had a chance to win it? Or would you just rather be what happened to San Francisco yesterday where you knew by halftime the game was over once your quarterbacks were down and out? You know, so you could kind of like desensitize yourself and just be like, well, yeah, it ain't happening. Good season. But you just don't like get caught up in everything, right? I don't look, it stinks either way. Believe me, when you get one step away from the game, it hurts no matter how you end up on the short side of the scoreboard. It really does. But I want to hear from you. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Impressions of the game. And also... I said something a little earlier when I was on with the guys at the end of the K-Show, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about that, too. What Patrick Mahomes is doing right now and what he has done first five years of his career, in my opinion, we haven't seen before and may not for quite some time. Busy show, a lot of football tonight, but we also got some hoops. How about the Isles making a big trade, which we'll get to? And what's the latest with Aaron Rodgers possibly coming east to quarterback the green and white next season? We'll get into the latest on that. Dan Grassa, overreaction Monday. It's good to be back. Good to have one of these again, right? 
98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Good to be with you. And you know what? We are, this is the first of what, a few shows that we've got this week because we have a show Wednesday night, full show. We got a show Friday night, as a matter of fact, because the Rangers were nice enough to take a little all-star break. So that gives us the opportunity to do some shows. So it's great. So we'll have a few shows this week, plus our new Saturday morning soiree there at 9 a.m. So we look forward to having everybody be part of that as well. So a lot of you and me this week, and that's not necessarily a bad thing here. Uh, As far as Mahomes is concerned, um, to say he's a special player would be an understatement. You know, with everything that he has accomplished in such a short amount of time in his NFL career. Five years as a starter. You know, I already told you, you know, five trips to the conference championship game, which is pretty darn good. All right, he's in his third Super Bowl. He's on the verge of winning his second regular season MVP award. Okay, he's going to win the MVP award when they give them out in a couple of weeks at the NFL Honors thing. He's already got a Super Bowl MVP. So if he wins that, he could be a two-time Super Bowl MVP already. What he's done in his first five years, I, I, I mean, it's, it's tough to match. You know, the great Tom Brady did not do this in his first five years. And, and if you're not old enough to remember, or maybe it's just selective amnesia on your part, remember, Tom Brady did not become the MVP Tom Brady, like regular season MVP, big statistics, all that stuff, until later on in his career, until after the Patriots won those first three Super Bowls in four years at the beginning of his career. Remember, those championship teams with the Patriots, those were forged on defense and running the football. Not Brady going out there throwing for 350, 400 yards each week like you saw later on in his career. Brady didn't win his first MVP until 2007 when he got Randy Moss and he got Wes Welker and that team's identity started to change a little bit. You know, that's when you started to see more of, you know, the team putting the offense on Brady's shoulders. That came over time. Brady didn't just step into the huddle in 2001 and and become this MVP guy. It didn't happen. Mahomes, it's happened right from the jump. Remember, Brady's second year as a starting quarterback, the Patriots missed the playoffs. All Mahomes has done is go to five straight championship games. And then in Brady's fifth year, they lost in the second round. He lost to Jake Plummer and the Denver Broncos out in Denver. And look, of course, Brady's the greatest all time and everything that he's been able to do throughout his career here. But just the first five years, what Mahomes has done 
has been unmatched so far. It really and truly has. All right, let's get some calls here. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Let's say hi to Matthew in Brooklyn, who's going to start us off here on 98.7 ESPN. Matthew, how are you? I'm okay. Thanks for asking. I just, I just really uh, can't agree with the comparisons of the quarterbacks nowadays to the quarterbacks back then, okay? I'm not that old. I'm only 38. But I just truly believe that with the rules the way they are, the mm-hmm. game is that much easier. And, yes, Patrick Mahomes is great. He's special. But the best thing he knows how to do is take advantage of the rules. That's what he's the best at, okay? Because back then, if you had to step up in that pocket or hold the ball long and make a throw, you knew your head was going to get chopped off. And mentally, that makes it a harder throw, correct? Correct. Okay, so these guys know they can't get touched. They know that if they step up in the pocket or hold the ball long, they're not going to get smashed. Well, Matthew, look, I'll say this, okay? You're preaching to the choir if you're going to say it's difficult difficult to compare guys to different eras. And, look, I'm, I'm right there with you because I'll be the first one to acknowledge that at least offensively when it comes to throwing the ball and chunking up stats and all that stuff, it's a hell of a lot easier to do that nowadays than, than when it used to be way back when. That's why, you know, I brought up Marino's name earlier in the show. What Dan Marino did in 1984 when he threw for over 5,000 yards, when you can actually play defense, you can actually mug a wide receiver and make it difficult on the quarterback to complete a pass, that 5,000 yards nowadays would almost be like 6,500 yards. That's how ahead of its I, time I, it was. I agree. I was telling the guy who answered the phone the same thing. And Dan Marino would be incredible today. John L would be would be incredible in today's game. So for these guys to be compared to them, I just can't do that. I really can't. I'm sorry. But here's I can compare the them to guys in this era. Well, Matthew, thanks for the phone call. And- thanks for the phone call. Here, here's the thing, though, right? It's not like we're talking about 50 years gap between how Brady began his career versus to what Mahomes is doing. It's not, right? A lot of it is right place, right time. You have to be in a situation with whatever team you're in, whoever you're coached by, what they believe in philosophically, what they ask their quarterback to do, right? But if you go just by eras, okay, in this era that Patrick Mahomes is playing in right now, and look, he, he couldn't pick and choose when he was born and when he entered the NFL. But for the era that he's playing in right now, think about it. If he's about to win his second most valuable player award, that's got nothing to do with, you know, statistics or, like, this era. He is voted on as the best player in the era that he plays in, and that's happened two of his first five years. It's pretty good. And, oh, by the way, he's won a lot as well. And he's maybe on the verge of getting his second championship. So I don't think you could take that away from him. I mean, he's as good as it is. Sean in New Hyde Park, he's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Sean, how are you? Hey, good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. What's Um, up, Sean? I was just calling. Pardon? What's going on, Sean? Talk to me. Oh, uh, it's Shant, S-H-O-N-T. Oh, okay. Um, I apologize. Not, I, it said Sean here. I'm sorry. No, 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 no worries. No worries. It happens all the time. My friends actually didn't even know. Again. How's that? Yeah, my friends didn't even know my name was Shant until they saw it. What kind of a name paper. is Shant, by the way, if I can ask? You can. Uh, I'm Armenian. Okay, perfect. That makes sense. Thank you. 
Uh, I was just going again uh, back to the Dan Marino comments. I think the uh, the Joe Burrow, Dan Marino last week, not to compare them uh, skill wise, but that comparison as far as career, I thought that was a pretty spot on example. Given uh, Joe Burrow still really young, but my first thought after uh, that loss was like, ah, he'll be back again. This isn't the last time. And then you started breaking down, you know, having to keep the the players together, you know, with all his weapons and whatnot. And uh, I just thought that, I thought that was a really good point because uh, then you brought on to Marino, and then you know there he was never again, which was unfortunate given the player. So I thought that was a really cool, uh, well, not cool, but a, a good comparison in that aspect. Well, Shant, I really appreciate it. It shows that I, I know a few things here, but I appreciate the kind words, and you get back to us. I appreciate it. Now, look, Marino was, I think, what, 23, 24 years old, something like that, when he had that great year in 1984, second year in the league, never got back again. And for those that don't remember, and I was still, like, extremely young, but, you know, I, I, I have vague recollections of it and certainly going back and, you know, learning more about it. I mean, it, it, that season was magical. I mean, he was a phenomenon you know, and you think about that era, too, of quarter. I mean, the, the, in the 80s alone, like that era of quarterbacks, the contemporaries, Marino, Elway, Montana, I mean, on and on. And on. I mean, like so many great, I mean, like Hall of Famers, legends like, you know, somebody else brought, you know, brought up John Elway. Do you imagine like, do you know how good John Elway was? Like, could you imagine like if, if you didn't see John, I'm, I'm not talking about like John Elway, you know, when he won those two Super Bowls at the end of his career with the Broncos when he was. Let's be honest, he was kind of a shell of, of what he was in his prime in the 80s. But John Elway was probably one of the two or three most physically gifted quarterbacks to ever play the position. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. He was that good. John Elway playing in this era, it, it would be you know the way that everybody goes gaga over Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and all these things. John Elway would, like, rewrite the book of what people would think of what a quarterback could do in this day and age. It, it would be insane, you know, just being able to sprint out, make plays with your legs, and then just stop on a dime and throw a frozen rope 60 yards down the field. I mean, that was the freakish skill set that Elway had. But, like, Marino in that case, same thing. Everybody thought for sure he's going back, getting back to another Super Bowl. He never did. And now, even though the salary cap goes up, the quarterback just commands that the really good ones. The quarterbacks demand that much salary, which means it's eaten up a majority of your cap. And so you're not going to be able to acquire and keep high-priced talent at some of those all-important positions. That's why teams place such an emphasis on trying to win when you have a quarterback on a rookie contract. And that's what the Bengals have been able to do. They made one Super Bowl, came close to getting to a second one, while Burrow was making no money. Look, the Zach Wilson thing hasn't worked out for the Jets, right? It hasn't. But... A big part of the decision that Joe Douglas and his staff made a couple of years ago as to moving on from Sam Darnold and then using that number two pick on Zach Wilson was because you reset the quarterback clock. You're drafting another quarterback who's going to be making no money for a few years, and then that allows you to beef up the talent on the rest of your roster, which the Jets have done. Now they just have to get the quarterback part right, which is tricky. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We come back. We'll talk about that other game that was played yesterday. And bad luck for the 49ers, but the Eagles weren't complaining. They're headed back to the Super Bowl. Dan Gross' show till 10 on an overreaction Monday right here on 98.7 ESPN. 
This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. You know, somebody's got to tell me who had the voodoo doll on the San Francisco 49ers yesterday. You know, even just a few plays into the game when Fred Warner goes down, I know that he came back into the game, but that just set like a bad precedent that, you know, maybe it just wasn't going to be their day. But to lose both of your quarterbacks in a half, for crying out loud, in the biggest game of the season, I mean, you've, you've got no shot. And it was really just a buzzkill on the last real true football day of the year, the last true football Sunday, and that first game was pretty much unwatchable the rest of the way. And if you're just joining us, if you didn't hear the news earlier today, Brock Purdy, torn UCL, and he's going to have to go under the knife here, and he's going to be shut down for six months. Now, the good thing for the 49ers is they don't play a game uh, that, that, that has any sort of consequence until September. So he thinks he'll be ready for training camp, but just you talk about the most inopportune time to suffer an injury like that. And we spent how many days leading up to that game yesterday just wondering you know, when is Cinderella, you know, going to strike 12 for the 49ers? And when is Brock Purdy going to turn into a pumpkin and all those things? Like, he can't be this good, right? You know, eventually San Francisco is going to have to, uh, you know, suffer a stinker. Eventually, Brock Purdy is going to go out there and not play a good football game. And unfortunately, he had to depart early with that injury. And, you know, there's people. It's funny, just the way that this world is. Like, of course, people, their first inclination is, oh, well, you know, he can't be that hurt. Oh, why don't you suck it up? Why don't you go rub some dirt on it? It's the NFC Championship game. You don't know if you're ever going to get back to this point again. He was really hurt. And, you know, did you need validation a day later that the guy's going to have to have surgery? If he can't throw the ball, if he can't grip the football, then what good is he out there on the field for you? Is that what you wanted? Now, unfortunately, Josh Johnson also got hurt. He had to leave the game with a head injury, and then you had no choice. None. But, I mean, the Philadelphia Eagles, you know what? Maybe they are going to win this whole thing, the way it's all set up, the way the football gods are all kind of lining things up in this manner for them, and that they got to play a Giants team in their first playoff game who clearly weren't ready for prime time and who clearly were overmatched. And then he got to play the 49ers in the NFC Championship game who lost both of their quarterbacks by halftime. Like, you couldn't have scripted this thing any better. I mean, teams have tougher preseason games than what Philadelphia's had to endure here in their first two playoff challenges. I mean, my gosh. You know, you look at a team like San Francisco, or I mean, excuse me, like Cincinnati, who comes up on the short end of the stick yesterday, and they're saying to themselves, boy, we we lost the game. We played good enough to win. And then you look at what Philadelphia got stuck with over on the NFC side. Gosh. So they go to the Super Bowl for the second time in six years. Congratulations to them. You want to put that into some perspective? And it pains me to say, since the last time the Jets had a winning season, the Eagles have been to two Super Bowls. That's rough. Now, look, 11 penalties on the 49ers didn't help much yesterday either. Um, 
couple of them were questionable, I would say, and we'll have plenty to say about the officiating a little bit later on. But, look, i got to be honest, I feel for San Francisco. I do. You know, whether you know somebody who's a Niner fan, whether you don't, I mean, that is an awful way for your season to end. You know, think about that winning streak that they were on. What was it, 11 in a row and, like, going into that game, and then, boom, it's over. You know, that's the hard part about the NFL playoffs. It's one and done. It's not a best of seven. You know, if you have a bad game in game one and you lose, well, you know what? You make adjustments. You try to change things up, and you give it another shot for the rest of the series. No, it's one game. So if you lose, that's it. You lose a player who's important to you, you're done. You're screwed. Look, Purdy, no Purdy, though. Don't take anything away from Philadelphia's defense. They were ferocious, right? Hassan Reddick was a beast in that game yesterday. And I talked a little bit about Hassan Reddick Sunday morning when we were doing the show. He's a guy that, you know, it's another great example of how the scouting process and, and, and the player evaluation process around the NFL, it leaves a lot to be desired, depending on which way you turn. And you can see that some organizations get it and others don't. And others keep making the same mistakes, and that's why they don't play postseason football. Son Reddick was drafted as a guy, or brought into the league as a guy, coming out of Temple, local product, right? First-round pick. By Arizona. And he was a guy that, you know, they thought would be a terror off the edge and, and so on and so forth. He was kind of miscast a little bit out there in Arizona in that defense. They were playing him out of position a little bit. They moved him to inside linebacker, and he wasn't really making that type of an impact, and he certainly wasn't making the impact that they drafted him here for. So he gets to his fourth year with Arizona. Of course, no fifth-year option because he hadn't necessarily given you the production to warrant picking it up. So in his last year in Arizona, has a breakout season. Mo they move him out to the edge. He gets double-digit sacks. He hits free agency. Arizona decides not to bring him back, and he signs a one-year deal with the Carolina Panthers. One-year deal. And what does he do? Double-digit sacks again. Okay. He hits free agency again. Then you take an organization like Philadelphia, who knows what they're doing, Howie Roseman, who's built a couple of different Super Bowl teams now in the last few years, he decides, forget about the one-year deal thing. We're going to make a commitment to this guy. They give him the money that he was looking for. What does he do? Goes out there, has the best season of his career. He makes all pro, and he was wreaking havoc on the NFC Championship game yesterday. Scouting. Scouting. You know? It means something. And sometimes... Right place, right fit, right opportunity. Like I was talking about earlier with the quarterbacks. That same theory exists with other positions around the field as well. You know, I think Hassan Reddick is a great example of that. I really do. 800-919-3776. That's the telephone number. Let's say hi to Tony in the car who's up next here on 98.7. Tony, how are you? What's going on, my friend? You know, coming into the game, you heard all you heard about was San Francisco's defense, San Francisco's defense, San Francisco's defense. No one, no one talked about Philadelphia's defense, really. It was, it was San Francisco's defense, and could Jalen Hurts do this, that, or whatever? San Francisco was going to shut everything down. Mm. How did that look? Uh, I don't know. Uh, Jalen Hurts looked good to me. Well, well, and well, you know, Brock let, Purdy. Real quick, and, and Tony. All I'd like to say quick. is, you know what? San Francisco was kind of playing with house money, 
because they were they gave up all these picks to get Trey Young. He got I mean Trey Lance. He got mm-hmm. hurt. They went and got uh, Garoppolo. He got hurt, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden they got Purdy out of nowhere. So they were playing with house money because they weren't really supposed to beat it. You got a quarterback who was the last guy in the pick, and you struck lightning in a bottle. This was kind of like when Bledsoe got hurt and Tom Brady took over. Nobody knew nothing about Tom Brady. And out of nowhere, now he became the best quarterback of all time. So like you said, scouting. It's all about scouting sometimes. And, I mean, I'm, I'm a Giant fan, so I'm not a San Francisco fan or a Eagle fan. But at the same token, I was so tired of hearing about San Francisco's defense and I was like, y'all forgot about the Eagles. We play them twice a year. I know what their defense is all about. Thank you for taking my call. Tony, you'll be good. I'll say this about Philadelphia. And I know it's a little different because it wasn't a fair fight when the Niners lost their quarterbacks. But Philadelphia's offense yesterday did not exactly, you know, put up fireworks on the scoreboard or go up and down that field. I mean, San Francisco's defense... I don't think played a horrible football game given the fact that they had no support whatsoever from their offense. I mean, they were out on that field, it seemed like, constantly. I mean, what was the time of possession? I didn't see what the final time of possession was in that game yesterday because San Francisco's offense was never on the field. The defense was on the field the whole thing. Eagles had the ball for 37 minutes on Sunday. So what did you expect the Niner defense to do? I mean, Philadelphia didn't even churn out 300 yards of offense. Less than 300 yards total offense. So even if the 49ers could do anything offensively, that might have been a game yesterday. But you don't have a quarterback. You don't have a shot. But the Eagles aren't going to complain, and you shouldn't take anything away from them. They deserve to be there, and now they're going to get a chance to go to the Super Bowl. But just the timing is terrible. For Lu- I remember there was a game. I don't know. Some of you might remember it. It was back in 2005. Jets were playing the Jaguars. It was very early in the season. It was like week three. It was a home game. The Jets lost Chad Pennington, and then the backup that year was Jay Fiedler. They lost Pennington and Jay Fiedler both to season-ending injuries literally within, like, plays of each other in the second half of that game. You lost your number one. You lost your number two for the season, and then, like, Brooks Bollinger became the starting quarterback the next week. And then, you know, they were so desperate they had to sign Vinny Testaverde off the couch, who was already, you know, kind of looking like he was done with football. And then Vinny came back a couple of weeks later and actually started a game and beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers um, at the stadium. That was a bad year, 2005. That was Herms last year as the head coach. I think they went like 4-12, and 12 and uh, he left at the end of the year to go to Kansas City, and they hired Mangini. But that was like the only thing I could remember, like losing two quarterbacks – for the game, and in their case, it was for the season, like within the same quarter pretty much. Football gods are unforgiving, man, let me tell you. And sometimes in the worst possible case, like conference championship game. Speaking of the quarterback situation, NFL's got to do something about it. they got to do something about the rule. So a team that maybe suffers the bad luck like the Niners got yesterday, that they're not going to be in that same predicament. We'll talk about that coming up next. And then we got to get into the officiating because I know it sounds like a broken record, but, I mean, again, just th- there aren't enough words to describe how awful it continues to be. Dan Gross' show, we roll till 10 on this overreaction Monday on 98.7 ESPN. 
This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Taking it right up until 10 o'clock. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Remember, you get me on Twitter at Dan Grasso, G-R-A-C-A. So, before we get back to the phones, that situation that the Niners found themselves in yesterday with the quarterback. Remember, there was a rule that was put into place here by the National Football League in conjunction, by the way, with the Players Association. Because they got to sign off with everything. In 2011, that was when they decided that game day rosters were going to expand from 45 to 46. You get an extra guy. You might not think it's that big of a deal, but still one person. That means an extra guy gets a little bit fatter check, game day, all those things. But part of that was... The third quarterback would count towards the roster. Before 2011, it would only be in an emergency situation, meaning if the third quarterback was inserted into the game before the fourth quarter, then the first two QBs couldn't be used again in that game, no matter what happened. Now, because you get that extra guy, teams aren't dressing the third quarterback because they're using – that extra spot on another position that they think is going to come in more handy, whether it's, you know, another defensive lineman, another corner, another, you know, sometimes even an offensive lineman, and guys who, you know, serve multiple roles on game day, meaning they play special teams as well. So you have that extra body. Most cases, right, 99% of the time, I mean, how many games are played where you don't get your quarterback injured, number one, and in case your number one goes down, at the very least, your number two ain't going down also. So how often is the number three guy ever going to come into play? But you have a situation like that happen yesterday with San Francisco, and they get burned with it a little bit. They need to tweak this rule a little bit. They need to do And, you know, we've seen the NFL do things like this. Remember, they changed the overtime rules for crying out loud. Just because Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes had an epic duel last year and it wasn't fair that one side never got to touch the ball in overtime. And so we have to go and change overtime rules and on and on and on. It seems like when things happen like this on the biggest stage, like the playoffs, that spurs the NFL into action. They're more reactive than proactive. But I still don't think it would have made a difference in that game yesterday. I'm just looking at it as somebody who had no dog in the fight whatsoever. And I wanted to be entertained for a little bit more for those three hours that I had to sit and watch that. It was almost like you're sitting there watching the undercard for the main event to start, which was Cincinnati and Kansas City. But what can you do about it? Uh, Merv in New Jersey. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Merv, how we doing? All right, Dan. How are you? Merv, I'm outstanding. Talk to me. What's going on? Yeah. I'm heartbroken, but um, I think Burrow did make some plays against what he said. You know, Chase Higgins and um, a couple drop balls here and there, and he was running for his life yesterday again. It felt, you know, that offensive line couldn't hold up at all, and that that really did hurt. Any, t- I I don't understand why they were throwing like longer pass plays instead of like at the Buffalo game they were getting the ball out quick. You know, and, and then the refs, like you were saying, they some of the falls were subject on both sides. And then, like, the, the Mahomes run, two of the Bengals defensive players were held. Not one call. It, it just baffles me. I don't, I don't get it. The, the officiating, is the, what, Merv, the officiating was atrocious. And unfortunately, and I thank you for the phone call, 
I, I, I sound like a broken record, but it happens on the big stage, and that's the last thing you want to see. Look, you want the game called, even if it's a meaningless preseason game, much less a game that decides who goes to the Super Bowl. But even, look, the offensive line had a hard time yesterday for Cincinnati, like we talked about, but that hasn't stopped Burrow or stopped Cincinnati in the past from still going out there and winning games. You know, remember last year when they went to the Super Bowl? Remember that game they played? It was the second-round game in Tennessee against the Titans, right? Burrow got sacked, if I'm not mistaken, what, nine times that day or or something close to it? I mean, he got the living you-know-what beat out of him. But he still hung around long enough, and they made enough plays and won the game, right? And you still thought, like, even in the fourth quarter when that game was tied, like I said, when they got the ball with nine and change back, even when they got the ball with about three minutes left, you still thought that they were going to find a way to get it done because – That whole thing, it feeds into the Joe Cool kind of moniker a little bit. But he got one up by the great Mahomes. You know, it happens. You're not, the beauty of these duels, you know, yesterday on the uh, the show we did Sunday morning before the game, I said that Burrow-Mahomes could be like the new Brady-Manning rivalry. You know, for the next however many years you want to say, five, six, seven years in the AFC. Like, you got a feeling that Cincinnati and Kansas City are going to be bumping into each other a lot, led by these two guys who might be, you know, two of the best, if not the two best quarterbacks in the conference for the next several years. And one is not going to continually just beat the other one. Eventually, things are going to change. Like, if you remember back to the Brady-Manning New England got the better of Indianapolis those early years, and it was Brady who was always getting the upper hand, especially in the playoffs. But do you realize when their careers were all said and done that Peyton Manning ended up having a winning record against Tom Brady in the postseason? Because he beat him a couple of times when he went out to Denver. So, like, the worm turned a little bit there. And, I look, I hope that both of these guys are still playing for another 10 years. Because for us as football fans, it'll be fun to watch. Let's say hi to uh, Ryan in Terrytown, who's up next here on 98.7. Hey, Ryan, how are you? Hey, Dad. Thanks for taking my call. Um, so I'm complaining about the officiating since the Seattle Seahawks game with an uh, ineligible man downfield twice killed their drives. I think it's been atrocious since then. But, you know, for the past five years, all I've been hearing, I'm a Giants fan, is Mahomes, 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 Mahomes. And with Brady, you know what he did, you know, the bar is real high. But I am sold. Mahomes last night on one leg beat the defending AFC champions to go to the Super Bowl. I've never seen a performance like this. For me, I'm on the Mahomes train, and I hear it's getting toned down now. Like, the time I get on the train, it's like, no, it's slower, you know? But, um, you know, Willis Reed, maybe the Messier guarantee. But that I saw the instant replays yesterday. His leg was totally uh, unworkable. And uh, can you compare it to another performance? Well, I mean, look, if he wins the Super Bowl in a couple of weeks, Ryan, and thanks for the, uh, thanks for the phone call, yeah, you're going to look back to this game as it being somewhat heroic. And, and, you know, you got scared there a little bit. Remember that play in the second half when he rolled to his left, when he was getting flushed from the pocket, he rolled to his left, and then he had to make a split stop and then try to deliver the ball down the field. You saw how he came up limping pretty bad, like just that one split second of having to contort the leg that way so he could throw, you saw that the ankle was not right, right? And you saw that he was just gutting that thing out. You hope that the next couple of weeks it allows that thing to heal. He was saying he was getting like four to five hours a day of treatment all week. All week, just to be able to get that thing in shape enough to be able to play that game on Sunday. 
He's probably going to have a lot more of that here for the next couple of weeks, so he's ready to go for that Super Bowl game. All right, we got to talk about the officiating. What could be done? Why is it so bad? And why does it continually tarnish what are supposed to be just epic, great games? Dan Gross is showing an overreaction Monday. We're coming right back here on 98.7 ESPN.